Hello, this is Mark Brown for Beyond the Room at the Charlie Waller Memorial Trust Information Evening 2019. The subject of that information evening this evening is teenagers and mental health, and I'm here with... Professor Russell Foster. I'm the director of the Sleep and Circadian Neuroscience Institute at the University of Oxford. So, teenagers, mental health and sleep, what are you going to be telling this room full of dignitaries and excited and interesting people this evening? First of all, I want to sort of flag up why sleep is important, what's going on within the brain whilst we sleep, and also point out the mechanisms of sleep and why they're so vulnerable to disruption. Then discuss the various domains of disruption, short-term, longer-term, and indeed how sleep disruption is always associated with mental health and why is there that relationship and then discuss well teenage sleep specifically and why it's problematic and why kids are vulnerable to disruption and therefore mental health problems and then what can we do about it what have we instituted at Oxford to try and uh, improve uh, sleep education uh, amongst our youth. Brilliant. So kind of for the people at home can you talk us through some of the relationships between sleep and mental health and um, particularly in teenagers but in any other group of people. Yeah, the, the model that we developed, because it, sleep has been dismissed as, oh, well, an artefact of antipsychotics or, or drugs or the fact that there's no structured work or whatever. And we thought this was nonsense. So we looked at the sleep-wake patterns in a range of different subjects. I'm going to be talking about schizophrenia, for example. And these patterns were not just disrupted, but absolutely smashed. And those observations, which are the first real quantitative observations of sleep in this group led us to the to the sort of the conceptual model that in fact sleep and uh, mental health share overlapping and common pathways in the brain so if there's a change in a neurotransmitter that predisposes you to mental health problems it's almost certainly going to have an impact upon sleep so there's going to be a commonality in those pathways. But then, of course, the disrupted sleep, because of its distorting effect on physiology and behaviour, can exacerbate the severity of the mental health status. And, of course, the mental health status can inform, you know, the sort of quality of sleep that you get. And so we tested that, you know. So we looked at genes that have been associated with human mental health. What happens to sleep patterns when those genes are changed in a mouse? And what you see is profound changes in the sleep-wake timing. So we got empirical evidence that there is this overlap between the two, the two sort of domains, mental health and, and sleep. Then, of course, the prediction was, OK, well, if we can partially stabilise sleep, does it, has a, does it have a positive outcome on the severity of mental health? And the emerging data from us and others is absolutely yes. If you can partially stabilise sleep, you have a, a really big a positive outcome on the severity of symptoms. So we studied, for example, levels of paranoia and delusionary experiences in young people, and they were reduced significantly when we were able to, to stabilise their sleep. So with, um, with sleep, it's often spoken about as if it's kind of either a kind of discipline issue, like you must make the decision to go to sleep and not be distracted, or it's spoken about as a kind of well-being issue, like this is something that you need to do to be healthy, like eating kale or going for a run. I get the sense from what you're saying that, is that the relationship is a lot more complex than just good habits or a good routine. Yeah, I think what's really important and what hopefully will come out of our discussions this evening is what's going on within the brain. So, for example, the ability to consolidate memories goes on whilst we're asleep, but more importantly, the processing and the manipulation of uh, information. So if you want to come up with innovative solutions to complex problems, 
a night of sleep can enormously enhance your capacity to do that. Um, we also know now that the tiredness state of the brain will influence the sorts of things that you remember. And really interestingly, within the context of mental health, tired brains remember the negative stuff but forget the positive experiences. And so you know, it's really, it's really emphasising that so much of our ability to function during the daytime is dependent upon biology that's going on within the brain whilst we're asleep. So a lot of the people listening at home will either have teenagers, they will all have been teenagers, or they will perhaps even currently be teenagers. Is there anything specific about the teenage brain and mental health and sleep that seems to you to be very, very important to discuss and think about? Yeah. The sleep-wake timing of individuals, often called the chronotype, uh, is influenced by a number of different factors, which we'll talk about this evening. But one is age. And what you find is that from about the age of 10, there's a tendency to want to go to bed later and later and later. And you peak in your lateness in your early 20s, and that's for both males and females. And then there's a slow move towards a more morning chronotype. So by the time you're in your late 50s, uh, you're wanting to get up about two hours earlier than most people in their late teens and their early 20s. So there's a, there's a developmental change. That, combined with the exposure to social media and all of the other things that, that young people are, are experiencing tends to push bedtimes later. So you get shortened duration sleep, and the problem with that is you're not, you're, not, you're not doing all that biology that's so important. The alarm clock is driving you out of bed, you're struggling through the school day, and you're tired. You then may get home after school, have a long nap. That pushes back the pressure to sleep, so you tend to go to bed later. And you can fall into this, this loop of later and later bedtimes, shorter and shorter sleep, and, and therefore more and more impairment. So I, I know you're a scientist, and scientists hate this question. But so, if you had the power, what would you do to improve the sleep of everyone in the world, if you like, or in, at least in the country? I think it's relatively straightforward, um, and that is you provide the appropriate tools and the appropriate education for individuals to know about why sleep is so important and to make judgments about what they need to do in their lives to improve their sleep. And essentially it's taking possession of this really essential part of our biology. We do it for everything else, but we seem not to have done it for sleep. That sounds like a very radical platform to finish on. Thank you for that.